so interesting that Kelvin McKenzie's coming in to talk about bullying in the workplace, I think, later. <laughs> because, uh, I mean, he had a reputation, as Anthony will tell you, and anybody else in the business. He used to be terrible. I mean, terrible. There's no two ways to describe it. If ever there was somebody who shouted, he would be it. So he's coming in to talk about... But actually, strangely enough, he actually is in favour of people being shouted at in the workplace. Ask anybody ever worked with Kelvin McKenzie. What was he like to work for? Bloody nightmare. <laughs> That's what they'll tell you. Anyway, nice to be company. Thank you to Anthony. Actually, I said to him, I said, but he's, he's given me one of his uh, one of his sucky sweets, one of his strepsils. To watch him trying to open the packet was an art form in itself. And um, it's funny because, we, strange enough, we don't normally talk about radio. I'm not the sort of person who talks about radio, surprisingly, having been in it for, for 99% of my adult life. But we both listened to something the other day, which is sort of, I don't want to say who it is, because otherwise it, it, it gives people undue publicity. But it's somebody who's taken over from somebody who's done it for a long time. And frankly, it's a pile of rubbish. You see, I don't even need to tell you and immediately you know who it is. Uh, right, on the programme this morning, it's just me, you and the papers, which is very good indeed. And I found the producer would be delighted. She's, she's fresh back from uh, filming the latest Jurassic Park in New Zealand. She was uh, a plesiosaurus, which is very good indeed. So she has to do a lot of running and you know, attacking people and that kind of stuff. But I've discovered something that we didn't know before you went away on holiday. Yeah. And i only, and I tell you who I discovered it from. I discovered it from Jess, the other producer. And it's, you know, when you, when, when you get text messages in, did you know that you can read all their previous text messages? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I, I shall show you how. It's, it's, uh, do you know, it was, I'll, I'll show you later. But I, I spent a very happy hour yesterday as we were going through the text. And occasionally you get a text from, let's just call them somebody who's not all there in the head. So immediately you can, you can click onto this thing and do this little process. And you can see all the texts they sent. And this particular person was a woman. Although when you check their text, they'd written as about 50 different people. Men, women, couples. They were quite clearly out to lunch. Absolutely unbelievable. So I was very happy with that. I thought, you know, even at this age... And I heard somebody talking to Anthony earlier on about computers. And I wasn't sure if he'd actually been in the real world for a while. and didn't know what WWW meant. Didn't, didn't know what computers were. Didn't know you could do some around the world. I thought, God, my... I mean, you can't believe that somebody could be this naive in this day and age because computers have been around for... But donkey's years. Admittedly, we never had them. When I started at LBC, we never had computers. And just as well, to be honest with you, because nobody wouldn't have known what to do with them. We didn't even have screenwriters. Now, it's all... Well, as you know, because you've seen the, the webcam and you've had a look on YouTube and had a look at the studio, it's all touchscreen. Everything is touchscreen. It looks terribly complicated. To me, it looks complicated. To anybody else, it just looks fairly normal. And you, and you, you, you touch things and up comes this. And now you can, you can see people's history. But it's this fascinating thing of of people who actually text, that you can, you can see every text that they've sent to every programme and how many different names these people are using. I mean, quite clearly, quite clearly, you know, you're a little bit bonkers, a couple of you. And uh, we can find out exactly who you are. We know, in fact, even somebody who doesn't put their name on it, we can find out exactly who you are straight away. If you've sent more than one text in, you're in the history, which is great. Noreen says, hope you're better than you were yesterday. Bit. Bit. I mean, I did leave here yesterday. I should have had... Uh, breakfast yesterday with Dale. We were going to go out because he'd just finished filming In It to Win It. <coughs> Sorry, there we go. And uh, we were going to go out for breakfast and I sat here. I got up in the morning. I thought, oh, I really don't feel up. Like you know when you start, you know that there's something developing 
because your arm starts aching. It's all just a bit sort of, I don't feel sweaty or I don't feel anything like that. You just ache. Your body aches. And I've obviously picked up some virus from somebody. I thought, typical. When you're diabetic, it kind of adds to it. So it sort of makes you feel a bit worse. But, I mean, I'm all right. I'm, I'm perfectly compus mentis. Well, as compus mentis as you can be at coming up to nine minutes past five in the morning when it's pitch dark outside. And I walk down the alley to come in. The driver drops me off this morning. And it was such a nice, comfy car. I do like comfy cars. There's a couple of cars that I get. Well, I can't get comfy in the back. The headrest is at the wrong position. And I come in and I've got my neck hurts and everything else. But this morning it was quite nice and comfy. I thought, you just want to keep... Because I know, with my eyes closed... I know exactly where I am at any part of the journey. I know when we turn off Knightsbridge. I know when we go under the tunnel uh, to come up in Piccadilly because halfway down the tunnel, there's really bright lights. So I don't even need to have my eyes open. I know exactly where I am. And I get here, and as I walk up this alley, which is full of these horrible restaurants down here and coffee shops, I mean, it... In fact, we had an incident the other day, which, which the producer doesn't know about. Somebody complained in the building about the smell coming from... And it turned out to be one of the... Uh, the fast foody type places in there, which was permeating into our building. Anyway, Royston went down there and had a word with them. He said they just looked at him blankly. He didn't have the fence idea what he was talking about. So I'm there and I'm confronted by some bloke going, he's shouting up at one of the windows. Obviously to try and get somebody to let him in. And of course it was raining. And there's people who live down there, surprisingly. They've got flats. And this bloke's shouting at the top of his... I wanted to go, shh, shh. You know, just, just keep it down a bit. Pick up a phone. You know, go, if they're not going to let you in. Go home. Well, perhaps it is your home and somebody's broken in. And I, I thought, no, don't, don't shout at him. For the simple reason that people nowadays can turn around and become quite nasty. Especially as this case was highlighted of uh, Gurmail Singh. Gurmail Singh lived in a, uh, a little tiny place just outside Huddersfield. And he's, he had a little shop. He's had it for ages. And the other day, some, uh, some young people, four teenagers, went in there ransacked his shop and killed him. And all they got was some sweets and some cigarettes and a little tiny bit of it. He didn't have anything else. He's one of these little shopkeepers. Um, apparently, they think that the murder could be linked to an incident in the shop last week when a pair of youths stole cigarettes and shoved the till to the ground. This one happened at 8.30 on Saturday. He died yesterday in hospital. Uh, family distraught, as you can well imagine... Uh, they were armed with a hammer, wearing hooded tops and tracksuit bottoms. I'm telling you, you will be found. They will find you, and I hope they string you up by your scrawny little necks, because you've ruined this, for the sake of... I could understand it if it was, you know, a robbery for, you know, £100,000 worth of diamonds or so. For a few... No, I can't understand the killing, but the... But, you know, for a, a packet of cigarettes and some sweets... You bastards. I hope they catch you very quickly. There was a, the, I happened to turn on the telly this morning, and there was a guy in America, and he had a jewellery shop. And this guy comes in, and you could see straight away, and the guy who owns the jewellery shop said afterwards, he said, he said I, I could, there's something about people, you know when they come in, by the way they act, that they're going to do something. And this bloke comes in, he's got a baseball cap on, dark glasses, and he's looking at the jewellery. Now, the man who owns the jewellery shop has got a gun, he keeps a gun, because if you've got a jewellery shop in America and some of these little hick towns, the chances are there's going to be some punk who's going to try and steal something. So anyway, so th this, this guy comes in, and he's, he, he, you can see on the CCTV, he's got his hand on his gun, resting there, just in case anything happens. And the guy's looking at the cabinet, and he turns to go round, and as he turns to go out the door, his hand goes round, and he pulls out his gun, and he turns round, and he fires it at the shopkeeper. He doesn't just fire once, 
four times point-blank range. Four times. The shopkeeper tries to fire, but unfortunately he's left the safety catch on. So he doesn't fire. Anyway, he slumps to the ground, and all he thinks is, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. There's blood pouring out of a wound. The robber doesn't go off, he hasn't stolen anything. He goes up to him, he sees he's got a Rolex on his wrist, holds the gun to this fella's head, says, give me your Rolex. This bloke goes, don't, don't kill me, don't kill, just take, take the watch, take the watch, and all the rest of it. It's not what you want to put up with. These people, I tell you, I'd, I'd have them hanged straight away. But anyway, so, takes the watch off him, and then... He pulls the trigger against this guy's head. So this guy is expecting to die. Luckily, the guy's run out of bullets. I mean, the chances of this happening, and to make matters even better, he survives. The medics come in, they get him to hospital, and he survives six bullets in him. And you think, why would you want to own a jewellery shop when there's toe rags like that? And that's why when you read about Gurmel Singh in the paper, left lying in his own blood for a, a robbery by four little punks, I tell you... You know, you just, you think to yourself, we need some more short, sharp shock treatment. Quite clearly, people are prepared to go in with a hammer and attack some defenceless man who was doing nothing. Doing nothing. Luckily, there were some customers and they tried to barricade these teenagers in the shop, but they, uh, they raced out the back. They will catch them, and I'll take great delight in telling you exactly who they are. You watch, they'll be about 14, 15, 16. They'll come from dysfunctional families... That'll be the uh, that'll be the method. That'll be the uh, the thing put out, won't it? They come from dysfunctional families. It just makes you heartily sick. I heard that the other day, and I thought, by Christ, I tell you, if it was me, I've, I don't know what I'd have done. I'd always want, and it was a fantasy from years ago. I'd always want to have something like a shop, and to have it fitted with all sorts of things. So, in other words, somebody comes and they they hold you up, and you go, I don't think so, and you push a little button, and immediately metal shutters come up. And they're blocked in the shop and they can't go anywhere. It happened in a garage where, where the crook was there, or caught on CCTV. He pulls out a gun, tries to race uh, through, through the counter. The man pushes a button. The metal shutter comes down and the thief's talking to a piece of metal. He's got, he, he doesn't know what to do. And he tries to get out, but the door's automatically locked. So he's stuck in there till the police come. I want poison gas to come in. You know, that's the caring side of me. I want to watch them die horribly on the floor and go, Bye! Sorry! You know, shouldn't have tried to rob me in the first place. Because, frankly, it's just getting out of hand. But for this man to have lost his life uh, for peanuts is even more horrifying. The people who own the pub next door said they, they went and got the, uh, the wife and the kids, and she said she just couldn't believe it. As indeed you don't. You read about it in the paper and you think it happens to somebody else. Well, that somebody else happened to be their family. And I hope they catch these little toe rags and string them up. Although no doubt there'll be a fabulous lawyer now go, they've had such a troubled childhood, you know, they couldn't afford cigarettes. Such a shame, isn't it? I tell you, give me the job of magistrate or a policeman for a day. I'd have a field day. It's uh, quarter past five. Cheerier things in a moment. Cheryl Cole could get divorced. These are the headlines. More than 700 passengers have been rescued as another Eurostar train breaks down, this time near Ashford in Kent. Pressure's mounting for an investigation into the way staff are treated at number 10 after an anti-bullying charity said its helpline had received calls from within Downing Street. Kerry Mulligan's been named Best Actress at the BAFTAs for her role in An Education. Colin Firth collected Best Actor Award for his part in A Single Man. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. It's Shay Louise Knight. Thank you very much, Steve. Good morning. LBC 97.3. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. 
It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast Monday. Right, I'm going to... Sh- so I have to give a quick lesson to the producer now. This is ha- how to do it, OK? So there, there is one there, a text, OK? What you do is you right-click... Sorry, left-click. You can, you can play, play along at home. Oh, sorry, wait a minute. Right from the beginning. Oh, bugger, hang on, wait a minute. It'll come in a minute. Uh, right, you go... There you go, there. OK. And then you right-click, copy, up to search messages... Right-click again, paste, go over to received in the last, click in all, and then you can... It will show you up all of the... There you go. There you go. And uh, it's John, or it's uh, Anne, or it's quite a number of people, or Roland, and... um, Obviously, somebody is not all there, you know, upstairs, I'm afraid. So, it's been quite a number of different, uh, different people, and... Uh, yes, and writes to all sorts of people. Writes to Jim and to Clive and has sent in 1,047 text messages. That's a lot of money. Which, of course, that's why, uh, that's why we look forward to it. So that, that's how it works. It's a simple, you, you won't remember it because it took me two ghosts to, to try and remember the blooming thing. But uh, now it's there. Very pleased with it. Very pleased. Especially when it comes to sort of, you know passing things on to higher authorities. I always enjoy those ones particularly. Uh, in the paper this morning, they are saying that um, Cheryl Cole could dump Ashley, could divorce him. To be honest with you, I think that's, that's the best thing. The best thing, actually, to do that. Um, for the simple reason he, he's making her look stupid now. Especially after the weekend revelations of yet more girls coming up. To be honest with you, I've said before, and I'll say it again, I couldn't give a flying forex who footballers sleep with. If, you know, he could go round and sleep with the entire footballers' team's wives. I couldn't care less. It's between him and Cheryl Cole. Because I reckon, and as we said on the blog yesterday, go down your own street, you'll find no end of married men who are having affairs. No end of married women who are having affairs. It goes on all the time. All the time. So why on earth should we be interested in, uh, in, in a third-rate footballer who earns a lot of money and is quite clearly bored out of his mind, isn't getting what he thinks he should be getting from the wife because she's got a job. God help us all. A job. A woman with a job. In 2010. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening to this world. It really is. But the tra- that's why. That's why. He's sort of sitting at home going, where, where, where's my bird? Where's my wife? And of course, she's off in Los Angeles recording a single because she wants a career. Unlike John Terry's wife, who just flits to Dubai and sits there on a sun lounger waiting for him to go over there and pretend and we go through this charade about, I'm really sorry. You know, gone on for such a long time. And now, as, as one of the newspapers called her, that doormat. What she should have done is squeeze those little tiny spherical objects and gone, do that again, pal. We're going to hang you by these from a tree. I feel very caring this morning, actually. I'm in such a good mood. You can always tell whenever I've got a sore throat, I, I get to be one of my moods. I'm fascinated by this story in the news. About, uh, about the bullying at Number 10 Downing Street. Now, if there's one thing that is guaranteed to either bring down a person or a company or the reputation of a company, it's bullying. The moment it becomes public knowledge, you're doomed. The moment you are known for being a bullying person or there's bullying going on in a workplace, by Christ, I tell you, you you'd wish the ground would open up. Because now this anti-bullying charity have said that there is one person in Downing Street off with stress for bullying. Now, I begin to wonder. They've said they have no idea who perpetrated the bullying, but there is a catalogue of bullying from Number 10 Downing Street. And you think to yourself, but who would do it? Would it be 
Because bullying can take various forms. Bullying can take the form of emails or text messages or your, your boss not talking to you and blanking you. It can also take the, uh, the form of, of your boss sort of coming up and embarrassing you in front of everybody else. That's bullying. No matter which way you look at it, if somebody in authority shouts at you in a derogatory way, it's bullying. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what position they hold in the company. It's bull- I couldn't care less whether it's the Queen. I couldn't care less whether it's Prince Philip. It's bullying. And bullying is stamped on because no company wants to be associated with somebody who bullies. And all it takes is one or two people to complain and you've opened up a can of worms. And I think that Andrew Rawnsley's book on Downing Street, he claimed on television yesterday that he had cast-iron evidence that bullying went on. Cast-iron evidence that Gordon Brown had shouted at people, which, of course, everybody shouts at people. Everybody. But it depends whether you do it in a menacing way. If I shout at the producer and go, Oi, fatty, get off your ass and get a cup of coffee, she'd laugh and she'd go, Go get it yourself, skinny boy. You know, that's what she'd say. Well, failing that, she'd just sit there and look at the floor and pretend she hadn't heard anything. Now, that, that's not bullying. Bullying is when I go to my boss later on and I go, do you know, this morning she was terrible, she didn't do this, didn't do that. And he then goes to her and says, right, you didn't do this, and didn't, without, without checking. You know, you have to check all your facts. So bullying can take all sorts of forms. You might be bullied in the workplace. If it goes on, you complain. You make an official complaint. And if, and if, it, if it doesn't work, then you go to one of these agencies and they put you in touch with a lawyer. And you take your boss to court for bullying. Believe you me, the thought of a writ and being dragged into court, especially if you're involved with a big company, is enough to make people stop. Other stories in the paper today. There's a nice one about uh, Katya. You know, Katya, that's, this is the one who sounds quite romantic. This is Katya Ivanova, Ivanova, who went out with Ronnie Wood. And then you hear her talking and she's like East End. Really common. I felt quite disappointed, actually. I thought to myself, I mean, she doesn't even look that great. She's very, very average, but he apparently uh, went round to her house and apologised for trying to throttle her. And <laughs> Strangely enough, they hugged and agreed to stay friends. Katya, 21, said, um, I forgave him and showed him round my flat. Is this the flat you bought with the proceeds of the interviews that you've done so far, sweet pea? So much easier than standing behind a bar, isn't it? Saying, Would you like to buy a large, expensive drink, dear? You know, always works much better, doesn't it? Well done to us as well. For Amy Williams, a gold medal. She didn't even know she got a gold medal. Because you don't, when you're whizzing around at high speed, you've got no idea what's going on, have you? No idea at all. But, uh, but she did. Which is good. Stephen Harlington says, I'm as caring as you about robbers. A lot of people, hard upbringing, didn't go around robbing and killing. We went out to work for what we have. Yes, I don't like that idea that you go out to work for something, then some tow rag comes up to you and goes, I want that. You go, no, when you get off your arse and go and get it yourself, like the rest of us. That's what people do nowadays. They go out to work. Tony says, I think the cold saga is an argument for the theory that your future is already written because who would act like such a plonker as Ashley Cole? Well, loads of footballers. Because they're bored. Because what happens is you go out there, you kick a piece of leather. You don't have to be intelligent to be a footballer, as we've had demonstrated on numerous occasions. And they go out and they kick a ball around and then, then when they're not playing, they sit at home, they, they watch their, their big television, but what they really want, they, they want to go out to a nightclub and have some... Some dreary bleach blonde bimbo from Essex who's glamour model, you know, falling all over them, going, you're gorgeous, you are. And then the moment they've slept with them, they go and sell the story. It's a form of prostitution. They had a programme on television. Again, this one, how much television I was watching this morning. And this was about, it was called, was it My Worst Date Nightmare? And it was an Essex girl 
called Daniela. Daniela was glamour model. Very nice. She had a mother who looked like she'd been painted with leather. I've never seen anything that looked so peculiar. And uh, Daniela, page three stunner, not really, just glamour model, uh, didn't like northern men. So as part of this programme, they send her up north... And, of course, she dresses like the proverbial old bag that she quite clearly is, wearing wholly inappropriate clothes. And, strangely enough, she, I don't like northern men. A, a George Clooney lookalike could turn up. If he had a northern accent, I wouldn't bother with him. Well, within five minutes, the bloke who is picked as her date, who's, uh, who's a northern bloke, has uh, produced champagne and chocolate and is rubbing his hand over her bottom. I thought, well, typical Essex girls, easy peasy, you know, hardly difficult, is it? It's like... I know Jay Louise is from Essex, of course she's upset. But it's like that girl the other day, she was standing outside, where was she? Outside the place up in Leicester Square. She's got a bag of chips in one hand, and her skirt is on the floor. And I said, you're right. She went, oh, he's gone, has he? You know, and you think to yourself, it's a bit worrying when people don't know. And that's was exactly like this Daniela, page-free model, you know. And uh, but she, she, unfortunately, she fitted the classic thing. She got out of the car with these jeans on, where somebody's put rips in, and you look a li- little bit like the side of a shark. Because we're sharks, not swans. And she's got these little sort of rips in there. And she gets out, and he takes her to see rugby. She goes, I ain't doing that. And then luckily she sat there, and luckily, because he put his hand all over her arse, she was up for it, you know. And it was, it was just... In fact, I was quite sorry I had to stand in the shower and leave. Because I was doing so well up until then. I thought, I've got to talk about this on the programme this morning. It's great. I wanted to talk about the Brits. Um... Because they repeated the Brits. ITV obviously did, a, did coverage of it with... I've never seen such awful presenters. They dragged on poor old Peter Andre. That's a bit of an embarrassment all round, isn't it? I mean, I'd, you know, luckily it's been a dreadful year for Pete. I don't know how he's coped. Awful. Everywhere he goes, like, people go, it's all right, Pete, we're behind you. Thank you. You think, oh, for Christ's sake, get over yourself. And um, who else was on there? Oh, Rufus Hound. Don't ever put him on my television again. He can't present. He might be a very funny bloke, but as a presenter, he's lame. A couple of other people who couldn't string two words together, including one of them. She might have been married or gone out with somebody famous years ago. Could have been a Gallagher. D- difficult to tell, really. Might have been one of those Appleton sisters. And she interviewed... Oh, my God, fellas. Are they dim? Are they dim? This one? Yes. Oh, right. Lovely. But anyway, this one there... And she said to Charlene Spiteri, I think it was, at the end of the interview, all right, babe, thanks. All right, babe. Who's, who uses language like that nowadays? Well, so she does. I do find it quite entertaining. It's, it's very funny, actually. We, we do like all, watching all these people on the television. But there seemed to be so many presenters. Then they had Cat Dealey on there. Then they shoved in Peter Andre again. And then I, I thought, yeah, because Peter's so, so busy. Because people stormed the stage the other day uh, when he was doing um, a theme park in Clacton. As one of his, they, they stormed the stage because Pete went, thank you for being supportive and helping save my life. I thought, why, what did you do? It turns out he separated from, from this thing he was married to. And that was it. But apparently that saved his life. So good on you, Pete, showing that feminine side. A little bit too often, I think. In a moment, your favourite biscuits. Guess which is your favourite biscuit. It's not difficult. This is LB... Morning, everybody. Monday morning, 28 minutes to 6. It's LBC 97.3. I trust you had a, a nice weekend. Weather was up, down, sideways. Saturday, freezing cold. I don't think I've ever had such a cold, and I was up really early. And it was bitterly cold. Sunday, a little bit better, but I didn't feel too good, so I went nowhere. I went home yesterday, put my feet up. I called it and bought some soup. 
So I've now gone soup crackers. And yesterday, I thought, you know what it's like? You, you sit there and you think, I wonder which soup I'll have. Well, I decided to do the, the interesting one. Put my hand in the bag, put them all in the cupboard, and then the last soup remaining is the one I ate. So I had mushroom. Not my favourite, but I had mushroom. I wanted cream of chicken. Didn't get it. I see that all hell's going to break loose at the palace very shortly because Prince Andrew has invited Fergie to his 50th. Well, of course, as you know, Prince Philip believes that the Duchess brought shame on the family and doesn't like her at all, so we'll probably go <laughs> and walk out the room. But Andrew, who doesn't really have many close friends, he's obviously got a, a close thing, and of course, out with Sarah Ferguson, uh, despite their divorce 14 years ago, 14 years ago, good grief, is it that, that far back? There's a picture of them in, uh, in Verbier skiing, because he's, he's very busy, Andrew. He's, uh, he's really an absolute credit to the royal family. <laughs> and he's out with Sarah Ferguson, who looks as ancient as the hills. Now, the trouble is, Sarah Ferguson only looks great when she's fully made up, whereas Diana looked good all the time. No matter whether you liked her or you didn't like her, she did look good, even come back from the gym with wet hair, whereas Sarah Ferguson has just got older and older. And yet shouldn't be, really, because she's been the face of a diet company. She's done all sorts of stuff. Uh, the favourite biscuits, which appeared in the paper, is always, is always what I call a good filler because there will be certain people today on LBC who will be inviting your favourite biscuits. But they're all in there. They must be all in there. Even the ones that you think nobody will have heard of that one. I like those pink and white wafers, which are really lovely. So at number 20, party rings. I wish I had the faintest idea what party rings were. I have a feeling that they might be those round biscuits which have got an icing on. Would that, would that be a, a party ring? Number 19... We used to call them squashed fly biscuits, Gary Baldy. See, I like those. And especially as they're made and they have to break them off, don't you? I quite like those. Coconut rings at 18. So-so on those. Fig rolls at 17. Do you know, I like fig rolls. I like fig rolls. And they're, they're apparently quite good because it's got figs in, so that's OK. Water biscuits. What are water biscuits? Oh, right. Oh, right. Well, that, that comes in at number 16. Number 15, fruit shortcake. Ooh, I'm not really sure. That's a cake, isn't it? Fruit shortcake. It's not really a biscuit. Fourteen is the pink wafer biscuit. See, I like pink wafer biscuits. I like anything like that. Thirteen is wagon wheels. They've shrunk. Do you not like... Yeah. When we were kids, we liked them because they were quite nice and then, then they sort of went off. Number twelve is plain digestives. So-so. A little bit like eating a coconut mat, isn't it? Eleven, chocolate fingers. Ten, ginger nuts. Just like, but they're not as gingery as they used to be. I used to love... I don't think so. Nothing's as gingery as it was. Bourbons at number nine. Love bourbons. Number eight, rich tea. Number seven, chocolate chip cookies. Bit indifferent to those, I'm afraid. Jammy Dodgers at number six. No, they're OK. Uh, five is the hobnob. Number four, shortbread. That's quite nice. Shortbread can be quite nice. Dunked in a cup of tea, that's quite nice, as long as it doesn't stay in there too long and fall off. Chocolate hot no hobnobs, number three. Chocolate digestives, number two. Number one, custard creams. You know what's not in there? A penguin. There's no, no penguins in there. They've got the bourbon cream at number nine, and that's all a penguin is. It's the bourbon cream covered in chocolate. If you're lucky enough to be able to suck the chocolate off, as I have done on numerous occasions, then repackage them. It's quite good to give them to people when they pop round for a tea. And uh, you find it's a bourbon biscuit. This is a strange one. Explain this one to me. I know that there's all sorts of quasi-churches out there, but this is a cleric who is known as the Bonking Bishop of Brentwood. Grieves me to tell you this. 
He has now lost his claim for unfair dismissal after admitting to an affair with his choir mistress. Bishop Michael Reed stunned his congregation by confessing during a sermon, I have sinned. We've seen this before, didn't we? Remember you had this in America, where you had the... I forget which one it was. It was one of them. I have sinned. You know why I was caught out with a prostitute? And it's, I have sinned, Lord, please forgive me. I thought, yeah, because your church is worth millions a year. The bonking Bishop of Brentwood isn't in, in such a, a good position. He is the preacher at the Penial Church in Brentwood. It gets better. He had affairs with three women connected to the church. Oh, whoopee-doo for you. He's a former police officer turned insurance salesman. Wait for this. This is the bit I'm fascinated by. He was made a bishop by the International Communion of Charismatic Churches in Nigeria. Oh, right. So it's mail-order bishopry. It's not proper, is it? He founded the Penial Church in 1976. Oh, he's another one of those people. Welcome to my church. Are you ordained? Yes. Where? In Nigeria, the International Communion of Charismatic Churches. You know that I'm ordained as well. I'm ordained. I am officially a reverend. Officially. I don't put it on my checkbook and I don't make a big deal about it. We did it some years ago at LBC and I did it online. And you can just... Yes, absolutely, I'm ordained. They, they told me. I filled in my, my details, clicked on the yes button, and back came the thing, you are now officially ordained. I am a, I'm a reverend. Uh, I can conduct marriages and uh, funerals and any other thing I want to do in this balmy, stupid world, because they've said so on the internet. And in fact, we, we all did it overnight. About three or four of us are ordained. So I'm looking forward to conducting my first funeral. I wonder who it will be. I wonder who it will be. So anybody can do it, but I mean, you know, a church in Nigeria has made him a bishop. <coughs> Excuse me for being a little bit cynical this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know, I'm not sure whether or not I'm, I am in the real world. When I read about people who, who come to this country because they want a better life, I always think that's great. When we discover that they're illegal and they have no right to be here because they've told lies and we kick them out, I assumed, in my naivety, that we take them to the airport, and we shove them on a plane, and we send them home. No, 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 no. We send them a letter, and we say, would you like to turn up to the airport to get on your flight? And of course, most of them go, yeah, right. Because they don't bother going. But now, they've decided a better way is to send them home by coach. It's obviously a bit cheaper, but there are now rules that have come in. Coaches laid on for people being deported from Britain must have DVD players. And the reason they have to have DVD players is that uh, these people should be able to uh, unwind as they take the journey home. But also, they have to have certain films. Apparently, a short while ago, they put on the film We Were Soldiers, which was shown to some Afghans who were here illegally, and it sparked uproar. Well, tough on you. Tough on you, I'm afraid. As far as I'm concerned, as Alex... Kittle, from the UK Border Agency, says, keeping detainees occupied minimises the risk of disruption. Be easy just to put them all to sleep, wouldn't it? Take them out of the country, drop them somewhere else. Not our problem. Not our... Why don't they want to stay in France? Why doesn't anybody want to stay in France? So the, the DVD players, as far as I'm concerned, and everybody else's, an unnecessary expense, which ultimately will hit the taxpayer in the pocket. Ridiculous, isn't it? A DVD player. Let's make sure as you leave the country, because you'll be coming back in again and disappear. They now reckon there's nearly a million illegals in the country uh, who are earning money. They put them in restaurants. They put them all over the place. 
all over the place. And they disappear because the country's so big that you can lose people. You don't get people checking all the time, do you? It's a shame, really. David Van Day got married the other day. Stars included. Samantha Fox, Lucy Benjamin and Shane Ritchie. Lovely. Big Brother star Nicky Graham was one of Sue's six bridesmaids in uh, Essex. And uh, Farrell Smith serenaded the pair. That nice, actually. And Susan Boyle fears she'll never find a soulmate because men think she's a freak. The Britain's Got Talent star told how she longs for love in a series of 3am calls to businessman brother Jerry. He said his sister was hurt enormously by the nickname Hairy Angel. Oh, diddums. It's awful, really, isn't it? We've all got nicknames. You've got Telltale Tit all over you, Jerry. You don't go to the papers and tell them that. That's a private conversation between your sister and you. You don't go telling tales out of school, do you, you silly little girl's blouse? Come round and slap your legs. She told you that in confidence. You've now made her look stupid. Not nice at all. Like things. Oh, guess what? Doesn't like being called the hairy this and doesn't like that. Oh, for good. Stop it! Stop getting caught up in this silly thing. Weather for today. Let's have a check what Hakey has got for us. He was bemoaning the fact this morning when he came. He said, Where's the weekend gone? He said, It only seems like yesterday I was in here. I said, In my case, it was yesterday. Uh, they say snow mentioned in the weather warnings will fall near the Chilterns, so off our patch, so that's good news. Heavy bursts of rain this morning. Take an umbrella particularly in parts of Surrey and Kent. Breezy later, dry this afternoon, but staying clydy. Currently it's four degrees. It'll be seven later tonight. Patchy rain before the cloud breaks up. Clear spells after midnight. Colder than last night. Minus two in uh, the suburbs. One degree in central London. Tomorrow becoming cloudy in the morning. Heavy rain and fresh winds in the afternoon. Wednesday is cloudy and breezy with scattered showers. Thursday, mostly cloudy, occasional light rain. And Friday, cloudy with heavy blustery showers again. So... Basically, for all of you, it's going to be a bit of a wet kind of a, a week. So take your umbrella, which is which is very good. Eight for eight five zero. Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Denise says I worked for a a boss once, who was hundred percent a yeller and a bully. From nine till six, she would target her anger from one employee to the next. I went to work every day, nervous and jumpy. I stayed because I needed the money. The reason many tolerate the bully in the workplace, even though it diminishes the self-esteem, is complaints may follow you onto another job. The dreaded question in job-seeking is, why did you leave your last employment? Imagine if you try filing a lawsuit. Try getting a job with that in your past. When I finally left the job, though a bit poorer, I felt more at ease. That's the trouble. I think more people should be honest now, and if you are bullied at work, you take them to court. You threaten them. Listen, bullies only do it once or twice. They don't mess about. Andy says, nice chat with Sheila Hancock. Wonderfully honest and straightforward. Bit like yourself, Andy. Bit like yourself. Honest and straightforward without shoes. Andy spends a lot of time not wearing shoes in the building, and I do worry about it. I do worry. <laughs> 84850, uk, And uh, another one here. It says, uh, Robert, uh, Dinah, look good all the time. You're having a laugh? She was just another Sloan Ranger with a massive conk. Well, I thought she looked good. I thought she looked good. I don't... Put way, compared to Sarah Ferguson, she was a raving beauty. I'm sorry, Diana looked good. She had that nice hairstyle. And that's why the royal family... Don't, don't get me going on that one again, because we've done this for death, to death for years and years, so I don't need to go there. But uh, the royal family hated her, and that's why Prince Charles came to not like her very much, because she got the attention. And up until then, the royal family had worked on the somewhat naive assumption 
that they were the people that the public looked up to. If you remember, it was the public that dragged the Queen back down to issue uh, a statement on behalf of Diana. The whole country's in mourning. Royal family, I'm sorry, we're on holiday. The Queen doesn't make a statement. She will. She blooming well will. And back we dragged her. Back she came from her holiday, had to make an apology. But everywhere that uh, Charles went, people only wanted to see Diana. Without realising, of course, Camilla was lurking somewhere in the background because he was having two at the same time. That's how it goes on. And it's, it's interesting. I find, I find it fascinating that the royal family are no different to anybody else. It's just that we think that they have blue blood. Take my word for it. It's red, same as ours. Quarter to six. These are the headlines. The head of an anti-bullying charity claims several staff from number 10 have complained about the way they're treated. It follows allegations in a book that Gordon Brown has victimised some of his team during angry outbursts. More than 700 passengers have been rescued from a Eurostar train after it broke down near Ashford in Kent last night. An Iraq war drama, The Hurt Locker, triumphed over Avatar at the BAFTAs last night, picking up six prizes, including Best Film and Best Director. And here's Best Travel with Jay Louise. Thank you very much, Steve. Problems with... See, 97.3. Morning, everybody. Nick's here this morning. Don't forget, great competition. Great competition this morning. Only with Nick after the news at seven. I, d- I don't know whether many of you have tried filling in your VAT form this month, but mine's particularly confusing because the rate changed. It went from 15% and then back up to 17.5%. So I've decided to do the honourable thing and pay them at the 17.5%. Well, I don't pay the 17.5%. I pay 10.5% to them because I'm on flat rate. But I've decided to pay them the flat rate because it would have been 9.5%. But I thought, I can't be bothered to faff around, so I've paid them a bit extra. But I've just got this awful feeling. I've written out the cheque. It's in the envelope, ready to be posted, that it's going to throw the system into some confusion because they're going to look at it and go, oh, what the hell, take, take the money anyway. So if anybody from VAT office is listening, when my, tax, when my, my thing comes in... I've overpaid, but it'll only be by a few quid, and you can have it from me. If you saw the live EastEnders programme, there were loads of cock-ups, even though 16.6 million tuned in. Now, you might think, as I said yesterday on LBC, that that would be a very good audience, but in fact, when Den handed Angie the divorce, 30 million tuned in for that one. So television audiences are dropping. Still, though, it was it was a great audience. But unfortunately, there were cock-ups all over the place. A lot of people have said, no, it definitely wasn't live. It absolutely was live, live, live. We had people who worked on it. There was only one little bit where they, where they cut to a film because they had to do it because it was on another part of the set. Um, for, for logistical reasons, it was easier to film that beforehand. <clears throat> Excuse me, but the rest of it was live, live, live. Uh, Bradley Branning moved his hand even after he was meant to be dead. That was an interesting... Because it's very difficult. I do that. Do you do that when you watch people on film and they've died and you watch very clearly, think, are they breathing? And sometimes you watch a chest movie, you think, they're still alive, but they're pretending to be dead. Stacey, Lacey Turner, shouted out Charlie instead of his character named Bradley as he died following his plunge on the roof of the Queen Bick. Jack Branning, Scott Maslin, stumbled over his lines at the start of the show. And uh, Barbara Windsor called Minx Janine Butcher June by mistake. <laughs> I'm sure these weren't in there. I think they're making it up. Uh, Ronnie Mitchell, Sam Womark, walked out of the mini-mart without paying for her paint stripper. Quite normal. And Max Branning, Jake Wood, was caught on camera trying to make himself sick. And Ian Beale, Adam Woodyet, told Phil to slop it instead of stop it during a bust-up. Dot Cotton appeared to forget her granddaughter Dottie's name, and EastEnders Insider said it was a live show, and that always increases the pressure. It certainly did. But we like live shows. I don't know why people make such a big deal about a live show. This is a live show. 
some of it. You know, there's other bits which aren't live. Not always are we live, but as, as near as damn it. Tiger Woods, seething mistresses have demanded their own apology from the golfer. Oh, God, dear. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Sexy model, uh, Lordana. Apparently, Lord, they've all got names. What's your name, love? Lordana. Right. Where's that come from? I don't know. That's just my name, isn't it? Lordana. And uh, she says, uh, we should actually get a, get a, you know, a public apology. We should have apologies, all these... Why? All these people make money out of it. Let's face it, nobody knew who you were beforehand. Now people know who you are. And I quite like that. But she's a sexy model. Because over there they call them models. Over here we call them glamour models. And it's completely different from anything else. Glamour model is, is really... Unfortunately for people who couldn't make it to fashion, because A, they're not attractive enough, B, they, they just like sort of exposing a bit more of themselves. You don't find Kate Moss going out in some of these sort of so-called racy-pacy outfits. Katie Price has completely taken over Alex Reed's life. Now the pair are married. Uh, she uh, fixed the entire Las Vegas wedding. Of course she did. Made him sack his manager pal. She says he's fat. Oh, he's absolutely fat. And made him borrow money for the ring. That's quite sweet, isn't it? I mean, but well, let's face it, that's the only way you're going to get somebody, Katie, so it's best that you hang on to them like that. But you're quite right, love, he is fat. And also not a very good cage fighter. Dane Bowers was organising a cage fighting gig the other day at a race course. Might have been Cheltenham or somewhere like that. And apparently, because of the sort of people it attracts, a fight broke out between a hundred of them who stripped their shirts off and started brawling. The producer liked the live EastEnders. Best bit was Jack stumbling over his lines. I know. It's a, it is awful, is it, when you watch somebody doing it. But the pressure is on for life. I don't know why. They were all saying afterwards, they were interviewed by the ghastly George Lamb, who really is so overrated, so over... Just ditch this man, please. Just like his father. You know, perhaps we could kill him in a, you know, in a soap. Because they, they all were going on about, oh, who actually killed... Who cares? It's a soap opera. It's not real. Even the police have complained about it. It's not real. It's pretend. There is no place called Wolford. There are, you know, they're just actors, some of them. You know, some people aren't, and they're the ones who stumble through it. Although, as we said before, they're bringing Shane Ritchie and Cat back into it. Oh, God, why? 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 Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it for everybody. The stars are out in force, which is nice to see in the paper. Uh, Mylene Klass was uh, on a Barbados beach. Do they all go to... I must go to Barbados. They're obviously all going to Barbados. Who, who, uh, Jim Diamond... Oh, he's been to Barbados, hasn't he? Yeah, very rude, but yeah, I think he, he was w waiting tables. I don't think he was actually sort of selling himself on the beach. They wouldn't... No, it's true, actually. wouldn't let him anywhere near the table waiting. But it is the kind of place that you should go to. At least one. Never interested me. They had a cooking programme on Saturday morning, which I caught a bit of as I was going out, and they had Levi Roots... You're know, the man who did this red-hot sauce thing, which I've never bought, because I just... I don't do really, really spicy food. But he was on it, and he went back to... I might have been Jamaica or something like that, because he used to live with his uh, grandmother. And he was doing this, this cooking, which was really, really good. Who on earth has just curtsied to Prince William? Who was that? Was that one of the Redgraves? She... Was it one of the Redgraves? I'm just, sorry, just watching the... Uh, the awards, and one of the Redgraves curtsied to Prince William. I didn't think you had to do that. Yeah, but not that. Oh, oh you met Levi and he gave you a bottle of his sauce. There you go. Did you use it? Oh, is it nice? What do you do with it? Is it a, a, a marinade? Oh, right. Or you can just... Oh, right. Barbecues, you just, you know... Oh, right. That's quite nice. Is it very, 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 um, spicy, though, isn't it? I don't do... Is it... Oh, not. Oh, right. 
I, I quite like the idea. Um, oh, the past you spoke about was Oral Roberts, who died, says Greg, last December. Oral Roberts, I mean, I couldn't make it up, could you, ladies and gentlemen? Oral Roberts. Oh, God, I have sinned. Do you remember? We had a couple of them. Do you remember Faye and Tammy Baker? Was it Faye and Tammy Baker or Tammy Baker? She looked most peculiar. All they were, they were people who fronted these so-called churches, and the idea was to get as much money as possible without being caught for tax evasion or with prostitutes or having affairs. And the amount of time, we went through a phase of them all having to apologise on television. Oh, God, I have sinned. Of course you have, dear. You were caught in a motel room with a prostitute. You know, and the, the other ones. Because these churches generate millions Millions, of, because people think you can buy a place in heaven. You can't. It's not like buying a bus ticket. You can't, buy, you can't go, do you know, I th- if I give lots of money to the church, I'm going to heaven. No, you're not. And they shouldn't tell you things like that. But there was a pastor who said, listen, you need to send in money now. Send in a million dollars. And so people phone up. And, and when, you, when you phone up, they've got banks of telephone operators. And they go, OK, you're going for the $5 prayer or the $10 prayer book. And you phone up and you, you donate money and they send you... And people fall for it in America. They fall for it. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a bit more realistic. All this rubbish about, you know, buying your place in heaven and a, a prayer book. It just reminds me of Paper Moon. One of my favourite films with Tatum O'Neill and Ryan, where they had the best scam going and it was based on Bibles. And all they would do in the boot of the car, very simple, they had a whole, list, had a whole raft of Bibles and their little printing thing, like a little jumble printing outfit, and they would get to the local town, and they would buy the local paper and see who died, and it would always say, you know, beloved husband of Mary Ann Lou lives at so-and-so, and they would turn up to the house, and they would go, oh, is, is, is Mr. So-and-so in? And the wife would go, I'm so sorry, he died. And they'd go, oh, that, that's a shame, because we're from the Tennessee Bible Company, and he ordered a Bible for his wife. Is, is that you? And she'd go... Oh, Lordy, it is. And he, he paid for the deluxe edition, but he didn't actually pay for it. So we're here with it, and it's $20. And she'd go, oh, God bless you. And so all they'd done is just printed a name in the Bible and took, took the $20 off her at her moment of need. And you do see, you do see people still doing this, this kind of scam nowadays. It was quite a good one. Quite a good one. The other one that she did in a shop was even better, where one of the guys went in first with a, a $20 note and wrote on it, Happy Birthday, Abby, but held it face down, so the woman puts it in the till. Then the little girl goes in, gives a dollar, and, and then says, but I gave you 20. And the woman goes, no, you didn't. You gave me a dollar, little girl. And she goes, I gave you 20, because on it it had Happy Birthday, Abby. So, of course, the woman go, goes through the till and finds the 20 with Happy Birthday, Abby, and has to give her all the change. So, <laughs> I mean, it seems so simple, doesn't it? It's a bit nowadays trying to work out what's a fake note. I did tell a girl the other day in John Lewis, as she held my, my note up to the sky to check whether you could see the watermark, I said, you don't need to hold it up like that. I said, just run your finger over it. The lettering is raised. She went, who oh, is it? Hi, how would you like 10,000? Morning, every nine minutes past six. If stumbling through a live drama on television, Steve, means that some people are obviously not actors... That means that yesterday, when you called Gordon Brown George Brown by mistake, that obviously means you're not a real radio presenter, says Scott. No, I did it to wind you up, and it worked beautifully, I'm afraid. Uh, Phil says, read the USA Preachers. I heard Phil Collins' song about a preacher who was banned there. I can't remember the name. OK. Definition is as follows. Cakes go hard over time. Biscuits go soft over time. I thought about that, actually. I quite like old fruitcake. Old fruitcake. That's got nothing at all to do with Susan Spencer, who's joined us in the studio this morning. Morning. Good morning. How Miserable old day. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? Isn't it? Horrible. Absolutely tipping it down. Yeah. 
Oh, awful. I've got this teeny bitty munchkin umbrella that wouldn't cover, you know, a hair on my head, let alone anything else. No, no. I think I need to invest in a bigger one, but then when you have a bigger one, it's a bit clumsy, isn't and it? And the worst thing is that you go out with a bigger umbrella and then all of a sudden the rain dries up, the sun comes out and you're the only one holding an umbrella. Yeah, no. How daft do you feel? <laughs> why, can't, why can't we just have, like, you have bicycles around town, umbrellas? You can just yeah, pick an umbrella up. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, actually. I might start that. Yeah. There was a guy yesterday we were talking about on the programme uh, who set up these uh, this cheap uh, reading glasses. Oh, yeah. Online from £20 a pair, which, of course, is a lot cheaper than we actually pay. Oh, absolutely. I mean, ours can run into hundreds of pounds, but he actually does them because now... If you get your eyes tested by somebody, they have to give you the prescription. Yes. And then you can take that anywhere you want. Yeah. And he does them for £20. Then he discovered another... He's, he's a friend of Prince William. He discovered another market for hearing aids. Mm. And he decided that having checked out a lot of these adverts, hearing aid... How much do you think a hearing aid is? Oh, goodness. What, a couple of hundred? Yeah. No uh, idea. No, about a thousand. Really? About a thousand pounds for a hearing aid. Some go up to about £5,000. And what some of these unscrupulous companies do is you send off and they send you for £250 an inferior hearing aid. So you send it back going, it's not really good enough. They then send a salesman round and convince you to spend upwards of £1,000. So this nice man has decided to help all those people out whose hearing goes a little bit. And he set up a website, of which I cannot remember. You'll have to podcast from yesterday. And he's doing hearing aids from £99. Wow. Now, that saves a lot of elderly people who worry about this, and they're the most vulnerable. Mm. Mind you, even um, Pete Townsend said he's actually going to have to stop touring if his hearing gets much worse. Well, it's funny you talk about that. I've got dodgy ear this morning. Got the same. <laughs> I've had a problem with my ears and my right ear. And so last night I thought, I know, I'll, I'll put some eardrops <coughs> in, which, of course, was a ridiculous thing to do, to do, knowing that I'm coming here very early in the morning. Yeah. So, of course, I got up thinking, I can't hear anything in my right ear. Oh. So it's like I feel as if I'm talking in a tunnel. Like, I don't know if I'm shouting. And if I turn to the right and you were to speak to me... <laughs> If you were to speak to me, I'd be like, sorry, yeah. what? Because you've made me go quiet now as well, so, so we're both going quiet. <laughs> I don't know which way, man. Isn't like, that horrid? It's really, it is. It's really horrible. And as you say, it can affect balance as well, yeah. which it has done to me before a couple of times. Every now and again, I have a problem with my ear. But not for a while. When it comes back, you think, oh, it's horrible. I'm quite lucky, actually. I don't, I don't tend to get ear problems, mm. but I'm a cotton bud boy. Do you, do you use Oh, ears? absolutely, every day. Even though all the experts say, don't, don't put anything in your ear. Well, right. I've been doing it since I was five. And believe you me, I've never lost a cotton bud yet. <laughs> Some people say they actually break off and they're stuck in your ear. Well, I would get the hoover out and... How can you possibly push a cotton bud in that far unless you slip your hand slips? Well, not... Well, exactly. I don't know. Some people obviously push them right. I mean, I'm, I'm quite good with it. Maybe you just, like, twist it around. Yeah, but some people... You know, my mother used to use a piece of... Toilet paper, which you twist the end of and then put it... Oh, I don't like that idea either. I like cotton buds. I'm sorry, I'm a cotton... That's why they make cotton buds, isn't it? What do they make them for? Well, you can do things, put them on your lips and... Cotton like buds? That. Yeah, well, I think... Really? They make them for babies. What do you use? You stick them in their ear, don't they? Well, I... Up their nose. The, I think the problem is the word stick is the problem. Stick. You don't yeah. stick it in. Um, you know... I, I think. Well, I do. <laughs> I, think you I'm gen- sorry. I think you gently massage round the sides. Yes. As opposed to stick in. I couldn't. I, if, if ever I go on holiday, the one thing I pack at the bottom of my travel bag is enough cotton buds. I don't want to run out of cotton buds. Really? Yeah. And absolutely. you purely use them for your ears. As opposed to what else? Well, I, I don't know. That's what I'm asking. No. Yes, cotton buds for ears. I know you shouldn't. I know all the doctors say don't, but I've been doing it for 
Right, loads of people listening will use but them. But that is interesting, then, isn't it? If you don't use, if people don't use cotton buds for their ears, what do they use them for? Flannel. Oh, sorry. What, what do they use? Them? I don't know. But they're they're Johnson's baby cotton buds, yeah. and I'd buy the big pack. Yeah. I mean, nowadays you can get them in the in the like a, it's like a full plastic bag type. Thing. I will not use the cheapo cheapo ones. I'm afraid I'll only use Johnson's. For mm. some reason, it's 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 like Johnson's baby powder. I've just run out, actually. I do like Johnson's baby powder as well. I just like the smell of it. Do you use talcum powder? Yeah. Does it make sure it do. quite a mess, doesn't it? No. It must do. No. No, absolutely not. When you stand in your bathroom and you shake the powder. But I don't stand in my bathroom and shake the powder. Anyway, let's move on, shall we, (laughs) to other things? (laughs) Let's just say it's contained. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, right. Uh, The UK Treasury, actually, on the subject of the tea cake, the chocolate tea cakes were wrongly classed as a biscuit for two decades. Oh, I remember this. I remember this this thing with Marks and Spencer. They came down in price. So they reckon it could cost the tax man 3.5 million. So, in fact, now it's a cake. It's a tea cake, not a biscuit, but for years it was classed as a biscuit. And M&S, you know, changed it. It's all sorts of things as well. So, vi- because there's VAT on cakes and biscuits. Strange enough, chocolate chip biscuits, where the chips are either included in the dough or pressed into the surface before baking, is a biscuit. Jaffa cakes are biscuits. Because they're baked. Hmm. Don't ask me how that works out. Marshmallow tea cakes with a crumb... Biscuit or cake base topped with a dome of marshmallow coated in either chocolate, sugar strands or coconut is, according to this, a... It's a biscuit, isn't it? Cake. No. It's a cake. A yes, they were wrongly classed as a biscuit for two decades. No. The chocolate tea cake is a cake. I don't think so. Well, it so is because the tax man but has don't decided... But do you think so? Sorry? It's not a cake. It is. No, but really, seriously, forget the tax man. Is it a cake? No. It's a biscuit. No, I think it's a biscuit as well, but the VAT man thinks it's a cake. And I love the VAT, man. Better do this time. Uh, quarter past six. News headlines, Matthew Schofield. Pressure's growing for an investigation into the way Gordon... LBC, 97.3. Jimmy Swaggart was the minister over in America who had the affair. Jimmy Swaggart. Do you remember? One of those evangelical ministers. No, how long ago was that? Oh, quite, quite a few years ago. Quite a few. Uh, how could any of EastEnders be live? says Andrew. The interiors and, ex- and exteriors are filmed miles apart, and the cast was supposedly live on BBC Three immediately afterwards. Well, they were, and if you had, if anybody had watched the BBC th- programme, which was actually very good, mm. um, you would have seen how they did it. They showed the little lady on the golf cart, and she timed the distance between, say, the Vic and getting to, I, I don't know, to Stacey's house or whatever, mm. and it was like a, a minute and... 30 and you know she stopped it and said right okay that's how long it's going to take them and of course they jump on the cart and go that way i mean i have to say that it sounds a bit like a, a brian ricks farce <laughs> it does doesn't it you've got people get, it, there was a film called the happiest days of our life which was joyce grenfell who was running a school but it was supposed to be a boys school but the girls school had been seconded but the parents were coming down mm. so they had to have the boys in the gym climbing up and then and then all of a sudden the boys had to run out and the girls had to run in because the girls parents were there and in the end the whole thing just Exploded. exploded, yeah, yeah. So it's a bit like that. It, it was a bit like that. I mean, it, I, I think to be fair, um, logistically, th- they were they did a great job. I, I, I thought, mm. you know, hats off to the, those behind the scenes. I think they probably had the most difficult job. Mm. I don't think the actors had the most difficult job in the sense that you know, if they've done theatre and they're they're good actors, they learn their lines and it should be Probably fine. So many of them haven't done theatre. That's well, the problem now. They're just television yes. actors. And that's why they were all saying afterwards, they were saying, oh, we were very nervous. And I thought, well, there's people go on stage every night. I understand you'd be a bit nervous, but it's... 
I think it's natural to be nervous because clearly, I mean, and there's a certain amount of adrenaline kicks in. Um, I have to admit, I, I just, I, I thought, well done to them for trying it. Mm. It was a novel idea. It was an ambitious project. Um, yes, they pulled it off, but I think leave it another 25 years before you do the next one Yeah, would be the, the view because I, um, I was surprised at Scott Maslin fluffing his lines because Why? he because he's done live episodes of the bill yeah before and i think he was actually the only one who's done live television so he had been saying before in a few interviews i'd read that you know the others were quite nervous but of course he'd done it before <laughs> i mean he wasn't showing off or anything but I, I do think he kind of thought he'd be fine, and that perhaps is where he lost his lines. Yeah. Everyone's um, expecting him to be perfect. Yes. In the same way as they asked him afterwards, oh, who gets the most fan mail? Yes. yes. And you could tell he revels in that, uh, <laughs> in that, in that joyous... Yeah, but I was surprised at him. Um, I mean, to be fair, there wasn't really any huge... There were a few, obviously, a few camera problems, a few mic issues. 36 camera shoots. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot. I mean, a few... Uh, panned in and out a bit wobbly and here and there there were a few microphone issues um jake wood who plays max he obviously was spotted sticking his fingers down his throat um in order to be retching at the fact that bradley was lying there in a pool of blood um, that was i mean you know that wasn't i think a bit a big issue to be fair um and also the only the two bits that i noticed i didn't notice jake wood the only bits that i noticed was scott maslin making a mistake mm. i thought at one point that barbara had made a mistake in the pub talking to Janine. Yeah. Um, I wondered if there was something there that was not quite in the script. Did you call her the wrong name? Um, no, I don't know. There was just something that was not... I, I, I need to actually watch it back. But there was something there that didn't... I thought, mm, hold on a minute. I'm not quite sure that that was meant to be there. Maybe Barbara's listening. She can tell us. Of course she would tell us if she were perfect. Um, and also, the only other thing, I think, was... Um, no, I think that was it, actually. Is that it? Oh, no, Bradley. Bradley Brad, Bradley's hand. Bradley's hand. Moved <laughs> when he was dead. Oh, it kept on moving several times. Did you get that with dead people? There's sometimes an involuntary... Uh... Yeah, but I suppose when everybody's watching live, you think, oh... But, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, to be fair, if you think in a half hour... I think they ran over, didn't they, time-wise? Yes. They ran over. Um, but it's one of these things where you're watching it and you're just... You're not actually watching it. You're, you're, you're waiting to mistakes. see a mistake. But for me... There, there were two things. Number one, Lacey Turnout was fantastic. Absolutely. It once again shows that she should... Is that Stacey, yeah, who's she, a murderess? They she, didn't know. They all no. said at the after-show party they were going round. And at one point, one of the blokes, he walked in and Diedrich, the producer, was looking at him on the camera, on the monitor, and he thought, oh, he said, no, it's not you, don't worry. He said, the you're, old... you're the red herring. Yeah, that was Ryan. Yeah, yeah. was the red hair. Oh, um, but yeah, I mean, Stacey, Lacey Turner out. only. Well, Lacey Turner only found out twenty minutes before. Um, <gasps> Terry, sorry, your contract's cancelled. She was going to do it, and the poor girl, of course, had flu. She'd been off the day before. She'd missed the dress rehearsal, oh. which makes it all the more great that she performed the way that yeah. she did. And I think it just goes to show that again, she's destined for bigger and uh, uh, things <coughs> than, than. Oh, absolutely! But we've always said that about Lacey Turner. I remember the very first time she came on the soap. And I interviewed her at, I think it was the Inside Soap Awards. And she was just, seriously, she wouldn't have said boo to a goose. Mm. She had to be led around um, by one of the chaperones, clutching on. She just wouldn't say anything. But I just think she's completely blossomed. I think she's a great actress and I think she'll go on and do and do better things. We did ask sure. the other day on the programme uh, uh, what happens to people when they leave EastEnders. Most of them disappear, I'm afraid. We were asking about James Alexandru. Mm -hmm. Where's he gone? At one time, he was huge. They brought back Sonia, 
You know, but yeah, where's where's James Alexandru? Well, that's if they're the bringing thing. them all back, and they're talking about them as well in the newspapers. Oh, um, I forget, I forget. God. I had to say it because it, it was it was noticeable to me when they brought back Dirty Den, Leslie Grantham yes. into the Vic, and they went and here Leslie Grantham, there was muted applause. <laughs> Quite clearly, a lot I'm not of surprised. a lot of staff members going. We remember why you left EastEnders, matey. But I was that was su- the trouble he'd had over. Let's just call it the internet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> yes, I do. <gasps> I do. I, I, also, of I, course, the other thing was he, he's a convicted murderer. Of course he is. As well. Remember, that was a hoo-ha when he got the yes, part 25 yes. years ago. 25 years yeah. ago, was it? Yeah, and yet, his bit with Angie, they are darling. That's the di- 30 million people watch that. Well, if you think about it, they peaked at 16 on Friday night, which is, is wonderful in nowadays. But if you look at the figures, they had 30, 25... 20, all that kind of thing in years gone by. It just goes to show how com- how it's, it's yes. completely changed. But, the, but quite, quite clearly when they went and Leslie Grantham and there was just mm. polite. But nobody really ever. No. It, it, it kind of shot himself in the foot really with all of that and also with some of the things he said about various cast members as yeah. well. I don't think went down particularly well. Strange person to bring back. Yeah, I was surprised. Very strange. Back. I was surprised very when strange. she said Leslie Grantham. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was it was very good. It was well worth trying. Um, but I, I just think that was, for me there was something just not quite right about the whole thing. Just wasn't right. It didn't. It didn't flow. It didn't gel. It 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 just seemed to be like. In fact, I, I wrote it on the on the soap updates on the website. I, I it, it kind of for me it was a bit like acting by numbers or TV by numbers. Mm. Um, but hats off to them. Congratulations. It went really well mm. for them. But I, I do... I Don't do it again. I can't imagine they won't try it again, not for another 25 years. But it'd be interesting to see what Corey now does because, of course, they're celebrating 50 this year. So what are they going to do? Because it was a success for EastEnders. It was a great, you know, talk boost of Jean the Alexander profile. coming back. Oh, that would be wonderful. Wouldn't it? Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, she I came my back. Stand. Oh, yeah. I know, I know, absolutely. <laughs> that would Imagine be fabulous. She pulls up in, in, on the cobbles in a nice yeah. car and gets yeah. in a cab or whatever, gets out and goes into the Rovers and orders what is a port and lemon or whatever it was she used to have. I'd like um, to see Julie Goodyear go back as well. That would be yeah, quite funny. Yeah. Although she has tried a few things on stage <laughs> and not, not quite Didn't managed quite it. Managed. Didn't quite manage it. OK, very short break. Uh, what's the time? Oh, it's nearly 6.30. LBC 97.3. Morning, Matthew. Eve, hello. Yes. Good. How are you? How, how, how many ears has Dr. Spock got? <laughs> I'm trying to think back That's watching a, the programme. This time in the morning? Yes. I don't know. He has his left ear, yeah. his right ear, and his final front ear. Huh. No. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. Oh. Anyway, unfortunately, after this weekend... What sort weekend, of mood are you in this morning? I'm in a, well, a fairly chipper. I've got a bit of a sore throat, unfortunately, a silly... <laughs> yeah, I had that last me. week, actually. It's really annoying. I'm, Shook I'm, it off very quickly, though. Did, what did you take? Nothing. All right. I'm, I'm taking sucky tablets and throat spray and everything else. Mm. It's a pain. Uh, now, the snow and the frost caused lots of problems, I'm afraid, for racing. Mm. And again this week, all lost racing on Sunday. Uh, the Glamour Cat, fifth Friday. Uh, for Alex, lost two pounds. Your oh, Kilcrea Asia. Kilcrea, I think we Kil- thought. Kilcrea Asia. Third... Mm. So you lost two pounds. So his total profit is twenty-one pounds sixty-five. Your total loss is twelve pounds twenty. Jolly good. <laughs> Jolly good. Doesn't care. <laughs> no, He's so blasé about money. Actually. Honestly, money just grows out of this man's pockets. <laughs> uh, so today we're off to Carlisle. We haven't been to Carlisle for a while, Ooh, no, so we're going to do the two thirty mm-hmm. and go for Zaffarella for Alex. Zaffarella. Zaffarella. Okay. Well, mm. today's meetings at uh, Carlisle and Wolverhampton are subject to eight o'clock inspections. Mm. Um, the uh, card at market raisins already been abandoned. 
because of the weather up there. Mm. Uh, Lingfield, though, we hope going ahead as planned. So the 225 at Lingfield for me, call to arms. Call to arms. Like the sound of that. Mm. Like the sound. Won't, won't win, but like the sound <laughs> of it. <laughs> Sounds like a horse with three legs for some reason. Well, they usually are. <laughs> so we'll keep our fingers crossed for tomorrow. But the, oh, the, we the, will. the weather today is atrocious. It's oh, just it's rain, horrible. rain, rain. Well, we're, we're lucky because uh, it's heavy snow up north. Yeah, somebody told me. First of all, Birmingham was, was closed yeah. over mm. the weekend. And then Manchester, somebody said they were out clearing the snow off the runways. Yeah. Amazing. So I think we can count ourselves lucky that we've just got rain. Yes. Although, as yeah, Susan Spencer... But it is. No, I agree with Susan. Nice. Horrible. Horrible out there. Yeah. Battering down. Battering. Battering down. Yes, it is. Dreadful, dreadful. Mm. OK, kiddo, nice to talk to you. And you. Have talk a lovely tomorrow. day. Thank yes. you, and you as well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Noreen says Sharon Davis went out of Dancing on Ice. Oh, thank oh, goodness for it? that. I mean, you know, I miss, I've not been watching it this year. I've, I've not been as intrigued, but I, I did defend Jason Gardner, who's been quite rude about people, but that's what he's paid for. If he was sort of naff, he'd be like Karen and Nikki who are very nice and they know what they're talking about, but then they, no, they don't get the coverage in the paper. The nastier you are and the more impact you make, the more coverage, and so that's why he earns more money. Mm. I just think the problem is that people think that he's trying to copy Simon Cowell. You think so? Yeah, I think he, I think he is. I think he's trying to be the bad Simon. Well, it's worked. Of, of, uh, yeah, of course he gets coverage. And he does his stint on This Morning as well, doesn't yes. he? Yes, he does clothes on that, though, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does, yeah. Strange Listen, thing. Yeah, because... He's kind of into all of that, isn't yeah. he? I quite like him. I think he's all right. Oh, I, 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 I like him. I don't think he takes himself too seriously either. I think he probably finds it a bit of a laugh, really. Uh, he does, but then I, I remember Sharon Davis said the other day, you know, I'd like to see him dance on the ice. I think, well, he isn't paid to dance on the ice. But wouldn't it be nice if they did, you know, they do these sport, uh, not charity kind of things. Wouldn't it be funny if they, if they turned the tables and said, right, OK, Holly, Phil and Ooh, Jason yes. on the ice, come on. Let's see what you can do. That would be worth it. That would be worth it. I, I would go for that one. John Nicholl is reviewing the papers with Nick Ferrari this morning. Uh, can anger in the workplace ever be justified? No, says psychologist Carol Sperry. Yes, says Kelvin McKenzie. Judging by his past record, he'd know all about that. <laughs> uh, also, the new prin Princess Diana Walk in London. I know there was a new Princess uh, no, Diana neither. Walk. Yeah. I haven't heard about that at all. No, I don't know that one. And uh, is Britain red-faced over the uh, McGrahi release? This is the, oh, uh, yeah. the bomber we were told uh, was, was we're going to die very, very quickly. But, uh, but not. I'm afraid he's still alive. As indeed is Ronnie Biggs. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Which is very interesting indeed. Okay, back to the back to the soaps. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking about Ronnie Biggs actually. Still just living. When you said I know. that. I was just saying, saying, his his son said... told us he was he was practically yeah. hours away from death. That's, that's what I was just I was hours. just my, was searching my yeah. mind when you were saying, which was why I was a little quiet there. Yeah, I thought that there mm. was that that was the one. Who Ooh, let him out said... on compassionate grounds. They're having the biggest laugh of their life, yeah. aren't they? It just it just makes a mockery of the whole thing, yes. doesn't it? Obviously, you can find, find Dr. Stone that, yes, he's definitely going to die in a few hours. Not. No, especially Not. since... I mean, that's been a, that's been a good little while Oh, now, absolutely. Isn't it? Oh, listen, he has... Even his, his son said when he came out, he has every intention of celebrating his 90th birthday. I thought, yeah, why not laugh at us completely? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, so, so, I mean, getting away from EastEnders, because obviously, I mean, um, it's a big week this week again in mm -hmm. EastEnders, because it's the whole aftermath of everything. Um, little Dottie leaves. You know, that's the little witch of a, a little girl that's mm. been staying with Dot. She leaves, she goes actually back with her, her mum. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a light side to things in that there's a pregnancy. Uh, there's a pregnancy, there's a birth. Um, and that's, of course, Zainab gives birth to a little baby boy, but it's not without its problems. 
Um, so it's it's actually it's a bit like a Carry On film part of that um, scene <laughs> when they do all of that. Mm. But it, there's a bit of a hairy bit at the end, but it all it, it all works fine. But it, it's um, it's quite nice. And in Coronation Street, um, Tyrone Jackie Dobbs is back in. You know Margie Clark. Mm. She's back in as Tyrone's mum, and there are cat fights between her and uh, Molly. You absolutely must watch it because some of the lines that this woman comes out with, I think whoever used to write for Blanche has decided they're now going to write uh, for Jackie Dobbs because she gets all the great lines in it. So it's well worth uh, watching that one. And, of course, the main storyline for Coronation Street this week is that Gail and Tina discover that Joe is dead. They have to go to the mortuary to identify the body, which is a horrendous task. Mm. And then the whole thing starts, and by the end of the week, Gail is firmly in the frame for murder because, of course, everything that she's Try to cover up in the right way with good intention has come round and backfired on her because all it does is point and think, hold on a minute, why you why did you cover all this up? Why did you send a text from his phone and all this kind of thing? <coughs> um, and there's a really gruesome moment where Liz, you know Liz behind the bar, she thinks she's flirting with Kieran, who of course Keith Tuffy from Boys on, mm. uh, mistakes it for something else and makes a pass at him. <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong on so many <laughs> levels. Actually, strangely enough, there is a picture of Boyzone in the paper today and uh, Ronan with the rather strange hairstyle. Oh, well, let's see. Oh, I mean, I don't know what's going on with poor Ronan's hair. Look, that's in the Daily Star today. Oh, yes, I it's know. a bit 80s, isn't it? it, it well, he, he started... Put, all he needs is a little moustache and we've got Hitler back in again. That's what it looks like. It's like a Hitler haircut. I always say that 80s, but I think actually that's more 90s, isn't it, than yeah. 80s? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a funny sweat. Do you know who he, he looks like? He looks like his hairstyle's the same as Nathan out of Emmerdale. You know, the really horrible oh. one. That sweeps yeah. it across a little bit. I've just realised who, who who Scott is actually, who sent me a text because now I can check on the. I can, I can now do this and I can go back because somebody Scott just said, "Let's have a coffee soon, Steve. Good to have a face to face chat." And I'm thinking, oh, I don't go out with strange people. I don't know who it is. Who is it? It's Barbara's husband. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do, well, she'd never say, but ask her if I was if I was right and there was a little moment there. I can't remember when she's leaving. She, I don't know if I it's, can't remember when it is. It, in, in all the the idea, in all the the stuff, yeah. it's it's just sometime early this year. So yeah. within the first six months of the year, for sure. Really, I think. So, Be nice yeah. to actually spend some time together, eh, Scott? As opposed to everybody having to get up early in the morning and toddle off to work. Anyway, we'll 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 sort that out. Okay. Was well, nice to have a cup of coffee. I like a cup of coffee. Sixteen minutes to seven. Many people think an American Express. LBC ninety-seven point three. Ten to seven, Susan Spence is here. Paul says, I would have thought you and Susan would have remembered Coronation Street did a live episode years ago for the Millennium. Oh, did they? Well, I don't remember that. No, me neither. And Jean Alexander's on record as saying she won't go back to play Hilda as she thinks the show has changed too much. And as for James from EastEnders, he went on a directing thing to America. Oh, well, last we see of him. What's a directing thing? A directing course? Yeah, I remember, though. Because Susan Tully does directing of Mm. EastEnders. Because they asked her to go back and she was like, no, thanks. But James Alexander, yeah, he left to do theatre, and then we never heard of him no. again. So maybe he has to. We thought he was going to go into Equus. Mm-hmm. That's right, and that never happened. That never happened. No. And so uh, he didn't go into Equus, and obviously went to America, which is where a lot of people go, isn't it? <laughs> and then we don't see them again. Well, yeah, that's what made me laugh that they thought that the chap who plays Sean Slater—it's amazing how you forget people's real names, even though he's only been out the soap for about I don't know six months, a year or something—that he was going to be the killer of Archie Mitchell. 
And you're like thinking, I really don't see that that was ever going to happen. Well, I was so interested. I remember years ago when Dallas was on at Who Killed JR? And they, they brought in the tapes from Heathrow Airport under strict security with armed guards and everything else. And all they were carrying was this trolley with these tapes on of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, how balmy is this? But it was the same with Who Shot Phil Mitchell. That brought in a good 25 yes, million yes. or something at the time. Yes. Um, it's just, the. It's just. I mean, you know, hand it to EastEnders. It's one thing they do do particularly well, and that is a whodunit. We do it? like a whodunit. Yeah. And especially, as in this particular case, nobody knew up until the time they were filming it. Can you imagine? Yeah, apart from these... I, I think they did a remarkable mm. job of only seven people. And they said, as well, that they, they knew it would be Stacey all along. They never really? deviated. Diedrich Santa said that it's all, it was always Stacey. They always knew it was going to be her. And I just think they did a wonderful job keeping that She quiet. didn't know. Because somebody in, the, somebody in the media always finds out. Yes. And it filters through along the different channels. Just normally, somebody will, will whisper and then either we'll, we'll get the nod and say, well, actually, it's so-and-so, so-and-so. Because we knew that Bradley was going to die. Well, yeah, we... we, 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 we yeah, a... we, we... Yeah. We did. Um, and and we knew that he was leaving, and then we thought, well, Barbara's leaving, and there are a couple of other people leaving, so it must be them. But what are they going to do with Barbara when she leaves, or how, how she's going to leave? I think they'll give her a great send-off. I think they'll... I, I, they'll leave it open so she can pop back. I think so. I mean, you know, one of the things is, will she, will she just head off and go and stay with Grant in Portugal? I don't want to see somebody else going off in a taxi. No, I don't... Th- Make sure, Scott, they don't do the taxi thing. Yeah. I mean, a light aircraft, at the very least. <laughs> <laughs> or well, a helicopter. That's the kind of thing they do at Emmerdale, is yeah. off the go in a, in a, like, you know, what's But not another taxi. Kenzie? We don't want to see anybody going off in a... They do it all the time, and they look out the back window, and it, no, 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 do something I, different. I don't think they'll do that to her. I don't yeah. think they'll do that to her. I don't think they'll kill her off. But then again, you know what? I never thought for a moment that they would kill off Bradley. I thought that was a bad move. Char- do you Charlie- think that was his decision? Or? Mm, I, I wouldn't have thought... But you don't, you don't really normally have a say in it. I just think Charlie Clements is a great actor. I think he will do well even... EastEnders, but it would have been nice to have left the door open for the guy to come back at some yeah. point, because, you know... Well, we, we've had people killed off before and they've popped back in, haven't they? Well, I know, A little know, bit different on this one. Let's face it, his hand did move. Well, his hand... <laughs> the hand moved. It could be the interesting it's not thing. Like it, it's not like in Home and Away, when it, where Hugo was shot, but actually he wasn't really. He had, he had a vest on and he's gone into witness protection or, or whatever. <laughs> it's not like that. I couldn't believe it when I saw that on Home and Away a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh, you're kidding me, because I didn't like him. I was wanting him dead. <laughs> <laughs> Cheering for him, but of course, with Bradley, I'm sorry, with that whack in the head, he's had it. The boy's not coming back. He's not coming back. No. Well, I distinctly saw him on BBC Three yeah. being interviewed. <laughs> he looked all right to me. Uh, Val is in Northumberland. She said it's minus three and snowy. Oh goodness! Well, you're welcome to. We we don't right want up. any any snow at all. I've seen it. it. Looks very pretty, provided somebody else has got it. And she says, "Did you see the TV program about the gypsy weddings? That was the my big fat gypsy wedding, mm. where it turns out that most of the girls." have got a dress that weighs 27 stone. So it increases their weight. You get little tiny girls in the middle and then these huge meringue-type dresses. A little bit like Jordan. A little bit tacky, I think. She said, some very interestingly dressed people. Mm. I think that, that's the polite way of putting it. So, interest. Uh, and Simon uh, did love the interview with Sheila Hancock, as did everybody else, and you can download it on the podcast. Oh, I like her. She's in Sister Act at the moment, isn't she? Yes. Yeah, I do like her. Uh, now, Scott has said, coffee it is... He says, um, uh, Barbara's at work and asking if she made a mistake. Susan would be like asking a lady her age. I know, I know. I totally realised that. I shall take her out and publicly flog her, Scott. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Scott. I I, I just realised that, of course. And Keith (laughs) says the live episode was on their 40th anniversary over in in Corrie. 
you know, I'd, I'd, yeah, that was about 2000 if it was Millennium, wasn't it? So, mm. um, no, I don't think I... I think I was still living in Scotland then. I don't think I was doing the whole soap thing at that time. So I think that's probably why I kind of forgot. But yeah. I, I just think it'd be interesting to see, because they've got a hard act to follow. As much as, you know, we've said that there were mistakes and blah, 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 you know, it was a, a good thing to do. And it's going to be interesting to see how Corey follows, because it is quite a hard act to follow. But I think Corey will pull the stops out. You think? Yeah, I think so. There's a few things. I've decided Steve used to be quite strong and now he's, he's a bit weak, I think. He is going a little bit weak, but there's a storyline coming up next week, very sad, because um, it's involving Becky and the baby. Um, mm. and, and that will show him in another light. He'll have to get a lot more serious because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mean storyline. Mm. Um, but just very quickly for you and your Emmerdale, Laurel's back this week. She goes back to Ashley. I'm sorry. To try again. I watched Ashley turning up. I would have kicked him out of the house. What a drip. What a stupid, stupid, weak person. It drove me mad, I'm afraid. I got very angry. But it means that Sally will be back soon. Right. Oh, that's okay. I don't mind that. <laughs> and uh, Susan will be back next week. I'll be back with you on Sunday. Sunday? Yes. <gasps> back on Sunday. Can't uh, believe it. Uh, Scott, we shall, we shall contact you later in the week, all right? And because uh, it's like two-way family favourites, isn't it? Fantastic. <laughs> I'm back tomorrow morning. Susan, thank you very much indeed. You're welcome. Uh, Nick's with you after the news at seven. And uh, paper review this morning, John Nicholl who will be in taking a look through. It's all, a lot of it is Cheryl Cole, a lot of it is bullying in Downing Street, which they'll cover. I should imagine Nick will be going anywhere near Cheryl Cole. I mean that in the nicest possible way. Should she get divorced? Quite possibly, yes, I should imagine. But uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Do join us tomorrow morning between five and seven. It's the better way to start your day with LBC 97.3. As I say, Nick's with you after the news at seven. But now it's the morning's business update with Matthew Schofield. Thanks, Steve. The chief executive of the Royal...